Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Our title sponsor is Peterson Toyota, a great Ram Nation partner that has served northern Colorado for more than 50 years. In the car business today, inventory is scarce and new cars are harder to come by than ever. But Peterson Toyota has new cars coming in daily and they're supporting their local customers in giving first priority to Fort Collins and surrounding city residents. Now you can buy cars online through Peterson's Smart Path system. You can easily find your vehicle, customize payments, apply for financing, finalize your purchase, and then schedule pickup or delivery. See the new to certified pre-owned vehicles Peterson has to offer and their knowledgeable, friendly staff will help you find the one that is right for you. If you're in the market for a new or used vehicle, please get Peterson Toyota First shot at your business. Thanks. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Ram Nation Radio. I am Joel Canalamessa. We'll be flying solo today as Mike Rowe is still in Madison, Wisconsin with his family. They went out for the Wisconsin-Illinois game, which ultimately was the end of Coach Christ out there. Uh, Wisconsin not playing great football right now, and they fired their coach. So Mike will not be with us this week. We'll get him on board again next week. But today I will have Joe Parker, CSU Athletic Director, on for our monthly conversation. It will be a good one today. As always, great to get his insights. Won't go real in-depth into the upcoming game at Nevada Friday night. you got a couple of struggling programs right now. Nevada, not off to a great start. They started their season with wins on the road at New Mexico State and at home against Texas State. But they have since had a blowout loss to, actually I guess it wasn't a blowout loss, but they gave up 50-something points to Incarnate Word. And they lost 27-0 at Iowa and then got blown out 48-20 by Air Force on the road as well. CSU is 0-4, hasn't really been competitive in any of those games, struggled in all three phases last week. Defense has been fairly serviceable most of the year, but last week is not one of them. Special teams and offense have really been really been down, uh, not executing at a high level. At this point, you know, we all want to see a win, although I would love to see, at a minimum, some improvement and some execution and some fight and spirit uh, from this team. It should be relatively built into this game you got 10 guys one of them actually left so we had 11 guys that have transferred from Nevada uh, Melquan Stolval has since left the team so there's 10 guys that will be returning to their former stomping grounds and you got a coaching staff that largely came from Nevada as well so it'll be pretty spirited you got uh, one side that's gonna feel jilted you'll have a fan base that's already nasty uh, I've experienced it myself I can only imagine what it's gonna be like this week as the Rams return with uh Nevada's former coaching staff and people don't seem real happy with how that went down. You had the head coach, Ken Wilson, kind of stirring the pot a little bit last week. Uh, so I think it's going to be a pretty live environment and uh, CSU better have its head on a swivel. I hope they come to play, uh, but I just want to see some good ball. Uh, unfortunately, we don't know whether yet Clay Millen is going to be able to play. Uh, hurt his shoulder against Sac State. It's his throwing shoulder. So whether or not he is going to be able to step up and play in that game, uh, we'll find out as this week goes on. Doesn't help that it's a shorter week playing on Friday instead of Saturday. But, you know, if you listen to some of the 
local reporters. They're kind of leaning towards him not playing. I feel like he'll do everything in his power to play, so I'd be surprised if he doesn't try to take the field. Uh, if he does not, Braden Fowler Nicolosi will probably get the start, although you wonder if we could also see Giles Puller or Jackson Stratton get some time in there as well. So you had a few defections this past week. We don't need to talk any further about that. Albert Bimper and I touched on that last week. And in today's press conference, we found out that running back David Bailey is also leaving the team as well. On a good note, we might see a boost on the offensive line as left guard Dante Bivens is expected to return, as is right tackle Dante Keys. Both of those guys were starters this year until they got hurt. I don't know. It'll be a fun game to watch. Hopefully the Rams can compete, make it a good game. You got a string of games here that are winnable. So let's let's start to see some improvement. You got to take one step first. Start that this Friday. Gradually improve as the season goes on, and there's some winnable games on the on the stretch here. So got to build some momentum going into 2023 because um, it's got a lot of fans down. You got some home games that it might be tough to draw crowds to. I think homecoming will be a good draw as always, but beyond that, it may be tough if we don't start seeing some improvement in the product. All right, well, let's go ahead and bring in our guest for today. I'm happy to welcome in our athletic director for a monthly chat, Joe Parker. Joe, thank you so much as always for joining us. We're what, a month into the football season, 0-4 start, getting some poking at us nationally for how things have gone, you know, bottom 10 kind of stuff. And how is, uh, first, how are you doing through all this? I mean, it's got to take a toll, you know, mentally. And I'm sure, you know, coaches, it's got to weigh them down a little bit as well, because I'm sure they were not expecting that. But are they keeping their spirits up and pressing forward? How is that all looking? Yeah, you know, without a doubt, you know, I've, I've, I've been through, you know, a lot in my career as it relates to success of teams or non-success of teams. And, and you know, the true measure is, is uh, you know, the final result on the scoreboard and wins and losses. And Jay's, Jay's been there, too. You know, he's been a part of, you know, uh, rebuilding programs. And, and so, you know, it, it's never fun. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm going to step right into that and let you all know that, you know, we're 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 unhappy about losing um but but when it's who you are at the moment with you know kind of just the the team performance as they're learning to play together learning a new system learning to grow you know you, you can't you wish you could pass through these moments a lot faster but sometimes you have to go through them just to you know for the value of the learning experience and, and it's hard you know um you know, a couple of years back when we went to, uh, and it, it was Nico's first year. Remember when we played Duke, right? And we went into that building and, and uh, you know, saw some bright spots, but it was a, a loss handed to us by a very, very good team. And I was walking out, one of the ushers said, um, you know, don't think about it as losing. Um, and it was a, a, a older woman. She said, uh, she said, it, it's a lesson. And we give out a lot of lessons in Cameron Indoor. So. <laughs> you know, it just framed it, right? I mean, you know, we're we want to be better than where we're at right now, and we 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 aren't. We're trying to find our way forward. Every week is an opportunity to grow and learn, and so you just gotta embrace these very difficult moments and fight your way through it. And and there's really no way to accelerate through it, and it it's what you have to go through. I mean, it it's it, you know we we've got our roster, and and we've got to. Yeah figure out a way to win with, with, with the roster and, and then always keep your eye on the horizon. I mean, things are going to 
change when we get a chance to develop the current kids and things are going to get even better when we bring uh, you know, a new, new class in and it just will continue to build. But what I love about Jay is that he has not flinched at all on what his expectations are for this team and the standard that he's trying to achieve, all the accountability measures that are in place, the, uh, the, the deep discussions that they've had about the meaning of commitment and, and what it's going to take to win here. And also, um, you know, really the, the fact that there has to be embedded, bought in leadership in the locker room in order for this to happen. And, and he's going through all the steps necessary to make that the, the base fundamental culture of this football program. And we'll get there. Um, and, you know, Jay, to his credit, you know, he, you know, they, they did a lot in the spring and a lot in the summer, but, you know, he ultimately said, I'm not going to know what kind, where we're truly at until we start playing other people. And so, you know, the first four games, you know, pretty tough and challenging non-conference schedule. Um, you know, you go into Ann Arbor and play Michigan, you, you, know, I, you know, I don't know what the expectation was for anyone on that game. And then, uh, you know, you follow up, you play, a very, very good um, Middle Tennessee State team that later beats Miami. Um, and then you play Washington State, which, you know, they're, they're probably hovering just outside the top 25 or were at least through the first four weeks of the season. And then, um, and then you play a very good Sacramento State game. And everyone thinks FCS should be an easy game to beat. But, you know, they're, they're probably a top three, four, five, six team in the country in the FCS. And and, you know, important, more importantly, all these teams have been together and they've been playing together for a while. And that's not who we are right now. You know, we had 59 new players uh, on this roster and, and it's just it's going to take a little bit of time for them to kind of learn how to play as a team. So part of what you were talking about with um, making that commitment, student athletes, knowing what it takes to win and, and being committed to doing that. Um, we've we've seen some changes in the locker room in the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, it started off with guys that may may not have been getting the playing time they wanted. Now we're starting to see, you know, as these players have hit their fourth game, starters leaving. And um, I think Coach Norvell had some pretty pointed comments about that. But I want to ask you as an AD, you know, what do you make of football student athletes choosing to leave during the season? Um, you know, we've seen a handful already, I think eight maybe. Um, and, and obviously that Part of this is, is, you know, you play four games and you're allowed to keep a year of eligibility, but I don't think the way the student athletes are using that opportunity is really kind of following the spirit of what this rule was supposed to be for. Uh, what is your opinion on, on these guys leaving? Yeah, I, I, you know, I think we've, we've, you know, all of this is a byproduct. It's a derivative of the way that we've structured um, the transfer rules. Now, you know, the, the portal, um, the fact that you just mentioned, you know, you can you can play four games and and then uh, and then still preserve a year of eligibility, um, you know, the season of eligibility. So, you know, I, I listened to Tubby Smith a couple of years ago, and you know, his comments in a press conference were, you know, we're 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 teaching kids how to quit, and and I think there's an element of that. You know, I think, you know. Anyone doesn't like to be uncomfortable, right? No one likes to be uncomfortable. No one likes to feel pressure to 
to you know expand into their potential. Um, you know, when you when you hit adversity, you know, those are moments that just they don't feel good. So I think a lot of times when you hit those moments, you know, that your choice is to either push through or you know, step away and step away offers an immediate release of the pressure, right? Anything that you feel is making you uncomfortable, you know, if you step away, you know, there's that immediate relief. And I, and I think that's what we're seeing now, you know, not just on our roster, but I think throughout college football, if, if students feel, you know, a hint of adversity or they just feel that discomfort, um, you, you know, they, they want immediately to feel better and better oftentimes is, you know, I'll, I'll pick up my lunch pail and I'll go into the portal and I'll see whatever, what, are, you know, an environment that I can find and, and everyone's got free choice. You know, I don't, I don't want to, you know, um, you know, diminish that. I mean, you know, everyone has a choice each and every day of how they want to embrace the day, you know, with attitude and effort. And, uh, you know, I think we've, we've seen, some students, as we've seen across the country, that, you know, when they hit that moment of adversity, you know, the, the easier thing for them to do in that moment is just to simply step away and and then, you know, go into the portal. And I, I don't know if those decisions are always best in the long term. But, uh, but you know, I mean, that that's the, the thing that we've created now is that students have that choice. And it's and it's an easier choice sometimes, I think, than just you know, putting your head down and making the harder decisions to grind and, uh, and try and find your way forward. What happens, um, when that happens with, when someone leaves mid season, does their scholarship terminate immediately? Do they retain their benefits at all through the semester or how does that work? It, it could be, it's really our choice. Um, you know, so we make a decision to cancel financial aid for the upcoming semester. So, you know, <laughs> if a student, you know, um, has, you know, say for example, a, a, a student was projected may graduate on the team this year and they step away um, middle of the fall semester, you know, we, we cancel their financial aid for the spring, but, but uh, to date, we've made a decision to keep financial aid active through the end of the current semester. So we, you know, we've already paid, you know, tuition and fees for everyone on every roster, you know, that money's already uh, been moved over to the university. So we're, you know, there's no way we can get, you know, any kind of credit back on that. So that's, that's money that's been, uh, you know, uh, committed. And then, um, you know, the stipend, you know, that the student uses to live on, you know, pay their rent and buy their groceries and pay utilities, you know, it just to date, we've decided to keep um, stipends active, uh, you know, because it, you know, that's, that's going to put them in a really tough financial position, uh, if they have to, you know, find, uh, find those monies, you know, if they, particularly if they don't have, you know, a, a lot of uh, support from their family, you know, that just seems like we're being overly punitive. Now, if you step away from your job, and I know these aren't jobs, you know, that, that's, that's the whole thing where, you know, people want to make this a, um, you know, an employment situation. If you quit your job, you're not going to get expected to get your monthly paycheck, you know, for perpetuity or for even an extended period of time. So when people talk about, you know, well, these kids are employees, they are not employees. We make very thoughtful decisions to help them, 
you know, get a glide path to, you know, a better outcome. You know, I don't want to blow their lives up, you know, so the, the, the decisions around financial aid are made administratively, a coaching roster, you know, roster decision, playing time decision, you know, role on team, that's, that's up to the coach. So to date, we have not um, stopped stipends for students that have quit uh, the team, but, but I don't know, you know, I mean, it, it may come to a point where that's, you know, that's a decision that we have to make. And maybe that's something they have to factor in if they decide they're going to pivot off of our roster. Um, you know, I'd, you know, I'd prefer that they all would have stayed, but you know, those are choices that they make and, and they're going to have to live with the consequences of those decisions. Well, it sounds like it's at least for now, a uh a human decision, right? Rather than just a business decision, you're taking care of the kids, which is actually kind of refreshing to hear um, even, even after they depart. So um, you mentioned Sacramento state and FCS programs. CSU has now lost two of their last three to those programs. It, 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 do you, do you think, are you rethinking maybe adding those games to the schedule? You know, those kind of that nothing to gain, lots to lose kind of mentality of, playing a team from a lower division? Um, I don't know. We're so far out. It'd be hard to unwind kind of the things that we've decided to do so far. But, you know, I think every every one of these moments is a chance to kind of assess and decide. You know, I, I think we're going to be faced with, you know, some bigger changes around scheduling, you know, as, as uh, you know, there's more movement towards consolidation and, you know, Big, Big Ten going to 16 teams, the SEC going to 16 teams. You know, we'll see what they decide to do with their, with their schedules and how many conference games they will play. But, you know, there may be a ripple effect at some point about how many, um, you know, schools are actually available uh, to play, you know, in the non-conference schedule. But, you know, for now we're, 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 we're on our path and we're, you know, the, the, the plan has been in place. I think we're done through 2027 right now. So, you know, not much that we can do to, you know, to change what we've done from a scheduling perspective, but, you know, I'm, I'm less worried about, you know, who we play and more worried about, you know, just getting ourselves to a point in which we feel like we're competitive and we don't have to worry about that. Right. I mean, we, we, uh, we're a place that you know, has aspirations to be, you know, good in all of our programs and, and we're not right now in football and, and we understand it and we're going to find a way to, to get better as fast as we possibly can. Speaking of who we play uh, this weekend will be an interesting matchup Friday night football team visits Nevada. That fan base has been pretty vocal about uh, coach Norvell and staff leaving. I've been to games there um, in past years, um, even when they weren't very good and their fans were intolerable. I mean, some of the most nastiest I've ever encountered. Um, I can only imagine what it might be like Friday with CSU coming in. Has there been any discussions uh, about, you know, security on the sideline, or is this just kind of just another game? Uh, you know, it's, it's part of it is it's just another game, but, you know, we, you know, we always travel with some security from the CSU PD, um, from our own police department. So, you know, they'll be, they'll, we'll have that presence <laughs> and, you know, we'll do, you know, some discussion coordination with their game management. I'm sure they're thinking about it too. You know, no one wants a bad incident to happen. Uh, but, but you know, you, you can't control everything, and and you just gotta kind of be aware and understand the environment. But you know, I, I would anticipate a lot of what's occurred is just you know talk, and 
And yes, they were disappointed when Jay made the decision to come here to CSU and we're thrilled to have them as a part of our program now. Um, and it's, you know, once the game starts, it's it's a football game and it'll be a highly contested, you know, football game. And, you know, it's unusual. I mean, I, well, we've got 11 kids on our roster that were once uh, part of the Wolfpack. So, um, you know, they've got a lot of close relationships that are still a part of the roster that they're gonna play against. But, you know, it's a it's a moment in time for a, a, a rivalry game, I guess. Just very unique. We'll see yeah. How it goes. yeah. Should, should be fun. Um, so did you see uh, the comments by Ken Wilson, Nevada's new coach? I kind of made some snide inferences towards Jay and the way he part departed the program. He kind of pointed to the fact that he left before the bowl game, encouraged players to transfer and and others, obviously uh, Carson Strong to go to the NFL. Um, he said that kind of stuff, I think he said, quote, does not usually happen during coaching changes, which is absolutely ridiculous. Coaches leave before bowl games all the time. Um, if a player asks his coach, you know, what do you think about me considering the NFL? He's going to give them an, an honest opinion, right? And, um, sure. you know, players want to transfer to follow a coaching staff. That stuff happens all the time. So uh, Jay doesn't seem like a guy who would try to sabotage a program. What was your take on some of those comments? No, no. Jay, Jay's, Jay's been one of the most reasonable people I've ever worked with. And, you know, obviously I was, um, you know, we were, as we were onboarding him, he was showing great concern for, you know, the team he was leaving and how that was going to be managed. And, and, you know, every conversation that I had with him was, you know, focusing on the, the best outcomes for both programs. Um, you know, I, I think he was trying to put some resources in place that would have helped them, you know, with the bowl game from a coaching perspective and, and um, you know, you know, so he's, you know, I don't, I don't think the way it's been portrayed recently by uh, any of the Nevada staff is, is really accurate, but, but I don't know that any of them were actually living the moment either. Um, you know, so, and I also know, you know, they've got a fan base they're trying to energize and a team they're trying to get motivated. And, you know, maybe those are things that that, uh, you know, they think will will help, you know, develop motivation on their within their program, within their fan base. You know, we're, we're going to go, you know, they're preparing all week for for this. They were getting ready for it last week and we'll, we'll play it on Thursday and play a game on Friday. And, you know, I think as you look to the conference schedule, you know, I think, you know, the teams we're going to be playing probably look more like our roster and our, our situation do than, than the teams we have played. So, you know, we're, we're excited about what's ahead and, you know, the conference season we're we're undefeated in conference, Joel. So there's, uh, there's plenty, plenty of hope uh, and strategy, but we're, we're, we're looking forward to what's ahead. Yeah. A win there would sure be a boost. The Mountain West looks as down as I've seen it in a long time. Um, so hopefully there's some winnable games coming up and, and gain some traction, get on a little bit of a roll here. Any thoughts on why the league has looked so down this year? I mean, it's just across the board, just not to the level that we were used to. The, the conference has been pretty solid over the years. It's just, is it just a cyclical thing this year, you think? Yeah, I, I, you know, I haven't talked to my other counterparts to really understand what's happening on, on each campus, but I, I think we've just kind of hit a moment in time where, you know, that, that everyone's sort of, you know, trying to, trying to, you know, get, get, you know, their talent levels reloaded and develop students and, and, uh, you know, I, I think a part of it too, you know, COVID, you know, kept, you know, kind of expanded rosters, kept more, more, more mature players around. So we may be just kind of moving through that right now. And, um, 
you know, I think what we're discovering too is that, you know, we're, we're going to try and get as focused as we possibly can on, on all things to make our roster healthier and better. Uh, but, but I think both Nico and Jay feel like the high school ranks have been under-recruited. There's been so much focus on the transfer portal. And, and I think when you bring a transfer student in, you know, you just, it takes a while. You may not have enough time to get them acclimated into the culture and, and really uh, focused on the standards. And, you know, maybe that's kind of what's happened across the league is that, you know, they've, those that have kind of loaded up on transfers are having a difficult time you know, managing that experience for those students. Beginning the Mountain West, Craig Thompson set to retire after this year. He's the only commissioner the league's ever had. He, I think, accomplished a lot for the league over the 24, 25 years, whatever it's been. Um, a lot of pioneering moments that we've, we've seen through the years. But at this point, maybe change is good. Might be just time for fresh blood. What are your thoughts on uh, a new commissioner and what uh, what would you look for in a new commissioner? Yeah, you know, I, I Craig's been awesome since I've been here. You know, I think he's he's had really, you know, some very solidified relationships that have helped us navigate a lot of tricky issues. Um, you know, board of directors, which are the presidents of the Mountain West. I think they, you know, obviously at, at some point there was going to be an end into, uh, you know, Craig's tenure, and you know, then you got to think about new leadership. And and I think as we kind of move into you know, this restructuring of the CFP and expansion of the CFP. And, you know, in a few years, we're going to be, you know, talking to broadcasting partners about a new contract. You know, I think that the board felt, um, you know, they just wanted someone with a fresher set of eyes to kind of help understand the landscape and help us kind of fit ourselves into what the future college football at the FC, FBS level is going to look like. So, I, you know, I, they, they, uh, they've engaged Parker Executive Search, which is a, a very well-known, highly competent uh, group to uh, help them navigate the marketplace. And, uh, you know, if, I don't know, you know, I, I, I think it, it's hard to build the ideal candidate, I think, but they'll, I think they'll get a, a really competitive pool together. I mean, these jobs are, are few and far between, you know, at the, at the uh, commissioner level. Um, you know, what seems to have happened in recent decisions is folks have, uh, you know, gone with what we'd probably refer to as non-traditional, you know, people that have had experiences and, and the professional areas, you know, been involved deeply in kind of, you know, ongoing negotiations with TV, you know, we do it, you know, sporadically, but, you know, I think at, at the professional level, there's more, uh, you know, ongoing engagement and probably a little more creativity exercised. And so I don't know, I, I, you know, I would guess they'll probably try and get a very diverse group of the people together with a lot of different experiences and, and, and make a, a really informed decision um, about, about who should take the reins. But, you know, Craig's, Craig's done a remarkable job, I think. And, and so much of what he, you know, the only thing he's able to sell is really what we do as a is each campus individually. So, you know, I know he takes a lot of criticism uh, from certain people about how, how uh, he's managed the business, but, but I really believe Craig has been instrumental in kind of helping us stay very deeply attached to the CFP and, and helped in a lot of other ways too. So we'll see, you know, it's, it's a, you know, you know, now that the decisions have been made, it's a great moment for us to, you know, 
find new leadership for the conference and and really figure out you know how we want to build our identity and our brand moving forward is it the board is it the the presidents that make that selection or ad's they involved do. as well yeah I, they haven't really talked yet about how we might you know how our input might be integrated into the process uh, but but ultimately it'll be a board decision which is the president's all right, let me pause real quick and talk about Ginger and Baker. This is a fantastic place with two great restaurants, The Cash, which is a modern Colorado steakhouse offering steaks and chops, fine wine and good whiskey. And the other is The Cafe, which features a new take on farm-to-table American comfort food classics. Ginger and Baker also features a coffee shop, bakery, event spaces, teaching kitchen, and a market. In fact, the market's got some sweet mini Ram gear right now, uh, including a cool little Letter jacket looking coat for kids. It's got like a green body, white sleeves, Ram logo on the chest. It's awesome. Oh, and don't forget pumpkin pie is back for the season. Hallelujah. That is an incredible slice of pie. I highly recommend it. Support our friend Ginger Graham. Treat yourself to a world-class experience at Ginger and Baker. You will fall in love with this place just as I did. All right, Joe, shifting gears a little bit. What are some of the homecoming plans? We've got a, we've got a men's basketball scrimmage that day and the game in the evening. Uh, yeah, you know, so kind of the usual wares around homecoming, um, you know, big, big thing is just what we've done with the, for the entire season is just to relocate kind of the epicenter of program tailgating at the corner of Hughes Way and Meridian. And, and this will be our, our biggest game as it relates to people subscribing to those opportunities. So we've got a lot of the colleges that, that have used homecoming as a focus point for, engagement and drawing people back to campus you know our corporate community has really responded well the individual tailgates are at a high watermark so that we'll, we'll we'll see i think for the first time you know what that space can be um and so that that'll be really exciting uh and then and then we've got you know some opportunities to acknowledge some some people in game, uh, you know, we're going to take a moment to spotlight again the Bohemian gift that was for the benefit of our women's programs. That'll be part of the in game presentation. And then uh, Patrick Curze has been working with Early Thomas's family, um, so there, we're going to have a moment where we can reflect back on you know his his career as a student athlete here at CSU and and just you know the broader impacts that his life had on the Fort Collins community. So it'll be a, a nice moment for, for the university, for the department, and certainly for uh, Early's wife, Kathy, and, and his children. So it's, you know, we're, we're going to have a lot of fun. You know, it's homecoming, it's parent and family weekend. So we're excited to get, you know, uh, a lot of people engaged around our football program. Don't forget Mike and Tracy Rowe with the Lasasso Award. Oh, the Lasasso Award. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Shame on me. Yeah, that's I was, you know, that's Friday night mostly. But yes, uh, there'll be opportunities on Saturday as well for yeah. that. But you know, two two very uh loyal stalwart Rams. So yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. So I was I was gonna mention the the change to where the, the central area of tailgating on game day is I just love the move. I love the stage over there. I love all the space. I love the alumni association location. So all that stuff being on the big green or the great green, whatever we call it is, is awesome. I've loved it. I love moving over there. So uh, that's well done. And I think that'll just continue to grow. We've seen the social media tidbits on the locker rooms, the basketball locker rooms. Mm -hmm. They look 
amazing. I'm sure that the videos don't even do it justice from seeing them in person. What was your impressions? Obviously, you've seen them a lot and seen them during the process, but tell us about how nice those are. Yeah, you know, when, when we have the resources and we have the time to plan, you know, good things happen. And, and I think that's exactly what we have here. You know, we had a vision of converting that space that was once the strength conditioning center for football into uh, new locker room spaces for both basketball programs and you know shoot that's been you know five years in the making right i mean that space has been mostly vacant for three and a half years you know almost four years you know since until we started construction but you know it, it ended up being about a 6.8 million dollar project um you know, portion of it was donor funded, Port, a larger portion came from the systems office. They made uh, a commitment to CSU Pueblo and, a, and then a percentage of operating budget commitment to us that we invested in those locker rooms and and we hit it out of the park. I mean, I think, I think um, you know, best thing was the reaction of the, you know, the, the teams and, and uh, we're going to move them in. Uh, I think we're starting to move in this week. Um, there's a few things that aren't completed. We're waiting on some furniture, but but it just seems like we need to start taking advantage of how those locker rooms will help us build the program. You know, it's it's a one-stop shop. It's every everything the coaching staffs wanted. You know, there's a an amazing team room and the locker room space itself, the wet areas for the team, uh, team lounge, a hydration area, um, you know, coaches' locker rooms. So it'll be a very convenient way to build a program as it relates to all the, the coaching and instruction that happens. And, you know, we're, we're setting the bar high for our expectations on how the teams treat those spaces. You know, we want them to, to honor the, the, the commitment, the investment that's been made to them. And, uh, you know, we want to make sure that it's preserved for, you know, future teams through the next decade. And, you know, what, you know, we, we haven't shown it much, but, you know, videos and I sing, but, but you're right. I mean, until you actually experience the space, it's hard to really understand how it all kind of flows together. Uh, my, my favorite, I've got two favorite areas. The team room um, is absolutely amazing. We source the same chairs that the University of Texas has for their basketball team room. Uh, they came out of South America, a vendor down there of all places. And talk about supply chain issues. We were most worried about those chairs, but they arrived on time on schedule for the install. Mm -hmm. And then the locker room is spectacular. Just the design, uh, the ceiling elements, the, the lockers themselves. I mean, it, it, it turned out first class, world class. I'd say it's the, the you know, probably the best in the conference for sure. And, uh, you know, would rival a lot of the A5s for how it presents. That's awesome. It looks big time, which is great. Last month we asked you about, it was kind of, I think we met a week or two in advance of the CSU CU volleyball game. And at that time, you know, the, the goal was a, a sellout, the whiteout, the sellout against CU and CSU's never had one before. Um, you kind of told us we weren't really nearing a sellout level. Um, you challenged the fan base to make it happen. And and for the first time it did, um, 8,396 8, fans, uh, jammed into Moby, saw a win over CU. Fort Collins really just kind of supports volleyball, whether it's a sellout or not. But there's always, it seems over the years, we've had great support for volleyball and Coach Hilbert and that program. Yeah, Is it, that it, something that you see around? It seems unusual. I, I don't know if that's more unusual than other places around the country. Uh, you, know, you know, I mean, I, I'm 
thankful for it. You know, we try and express gratitude for the way that people respond, you know, and I, I think what it does, it, it proves that we can, you know, build a program that, that has sustained success, that's highly competitive, um, you know, the community responds. But I also think a big part of it has been for the last two and a half decades, you know, 25, 26 years, Tom has really done everything he possibly can to, to encourage people to support his program. And, you know, if you survey that arena, a lot of our season ticket holders are people that probably would not have been, you know, avid spectators of the sport of volleyball if it weren't for Tom's direct relationship with them. And so it just, you know, it what it proves to me is that if we can find the right leadership, if we can, you know, support that leadership and uh, allow them to consistently build a program, that continuity means everything. Um, and, and it translates into attendance. And we, you know, we had a great crowd. That was a historic moment for our program and another, you know, feather in the, in the cap about, you know, our, our commitment to women's athletics and, and Title IX. And, and uh, you know, we, we made a point of every month of this calendar year, we were trying to do something to highlight the importance of women's athletics here at CSU. And that was, that was kind of the big circle moment for the month of September was to, you know, sell that game out. And we did. That was, by the way, the, the second largest crowd in all of NCAA volleyball this season. Uh, Rams are 11-4 overall, 4-0 Mountain West play. They play Nevada Thursday. So hopefully Coach Hilper can keep that going. Uh, you mentioned a few minutes ago the donation by the Bohemian Foundation, which was announced uh, early September, $5 million gift devoted entirely to women's athletics. That's yeah, the largest singular gift to women's athletics in Mountain West Conference history. Um, can you outline briefly how those funds are being used? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we, um, you know, we, we prioritize and sequence projects really on a kind of, kind of availability of space. Right. So, so, uh, you know, it goes back all the way to the, the football stadium and, and, you know, the original budget did not have um, a line item for practice facilities, practice fields over at the new site where Canvas is located. And so we managed that project so well from a budget perspective that we were able to take uh, saved contingency dollars and buy in new practice fields. And that was about a two and a half million dollar add to the project that was funded through the original budget. Because as I said, we, we you know, managed it so well. And that was done really to, to help with the efficiencies and the way that you operate a division one FBS program. But the, the secondary and even as important benefit to me was that would free up the footprint for a soccer facility because we, you know, played in various locations and kind of landed at the lagoon field uh, before that. But we, you know, you know, so we moved soccer over and they competed, what, three, four seasons on the old practice fields. And we always knew that we wanted to do improvements there. And, and softball, which is adjacent, you know, is a 25-year-old facility not much work been done on it since uh, since it was kind of put in place. So the first monies being spent are to help us enhance the budget for the soccer softball complex. So that started as a six and a half million dollar project before COVID, uh, funded principally by student fees and and debt service uh, that would be paid down by the student fee. And uh, and and we paused the project through COVID. We, uh, you know, jump-started it as we did the basketball locker rooms, you know, as soon as we could after we kind of got through that first year of COVID. 
and the construction estimates were just through the roof. So we, we've had to grow that budget now to almost $10 million for soccer softball to maintain, you know, basically the base scope that we had planned at, at six and a half million. So we're moving a million um, from Bohemian's gift into that budget. So that's a huge help for us. Uh, and what that's going to allow us to do is, is keep field lighting as a part of the project. So both teams, soccer and softball, really their number one ask was field lighting, you know, just the idea, the practical ability to extend the, the hours of play and competition. And then and then the fun piece of it is both those teams just love the idea of playing under the lights. So that'll that'll be a really nice amenity kind of to expand, you know, the experience for them. And then the, the rest of the gift, the four and a half million that remains is gonna be focused on the phase two of Moby. So that South corridor of Moby where the old basketball locker rooms are located, you know, again, kind of the sequence of, of and steps that you, you have to approach, you know, now we've got new locker rooms that the teams for basketball are moving into, they're vacating their older locker rooms. So now we gotta repurpose those spaces. When we do that, that moves uh, soccer into one, softball into the other. When softball moves into a new location, that opens up adjacent space to where volleyball has their locker room so we can expand the volleyball locker room. So those three sports will get uh, uh, full attention to really brand new locker room spaces. And then <clears throat> we've got teams that live a bit of a nomadic lifestyle with track and field, uh, to some extent, our golf programs and, and tennis. So that's, that's really three out of the five just mentioned our women's programs. Our plan has been to build a, a locker room for women and men that would be used uh, for those programs when they come to use the Anderson Center for Strength and Conditioning. Uh, they got a place to drop a bag, lock a bag, change of clothes, do their workout, uh, do a treatment, you know, at the sports med center, and then shower up and change and go to class or work or whatever else they had planned for their day. So that'll be an important piece. And then we did land the, the fueling station in a new location, a portion of the old football locker room. And so if we've got funds that can stretch that far from the Bohemian gift, we'd like to do some upgrades to that new space where we moved, um, moved the fueling station. So really, it'll be a focused effort along that south corridor of Moby Arena at the, at the court level. Just got a few more for you, Joe. First, Michael Wilson seems to be taking the baton pretty well with Christian Newton and run with it. A um, couple nice fall wins in two tournaments so far. I know that these are Christian's guys, but uh, you kind of have to like what Coach Wilson has done so far with this group. Absolutely. You know, he's done exactly what we hired him to do, and that was to, you know, um, you know, take the program from where it was and, and you know, continue to move it forward and, and elevate it. And, you know, the response from the, the boosters that are close to the sport of golf has been really positive. I think Michael's done a great job in engaging them, building relationships, you know, including them in the program and, and uh, you know, getting them to think about the, the way that they can support not only men's golf, but women's golf, because we kind of look at them as as you know really connected and laura our women's golf coach you know she and michael you know have got some really great ideas on how they envision the pro both programs to grow and then you know he's done a great job in connecting with the roster and you know i, I get i've had really positive feedback about you know about how he's interacted with them you know what he's done to uh to kind of modify the practice experience for our students and, and certainly they seem to be responding so it's been 
it's been great, you know, um, you know, and a lot of credit to him. I mean, he came in very well prepared for the opportunity and saw this as the next logical step in his career. And, you know, so he and his wife, Courtney and son, Ben are now a part of our community and, and embracing it as we're embracing them. Before we got on and started recording, you'd mentioned the high school event, uh, the football event. Was it the Canvas Classic? I don't remember what we were calling it, but uh, two games back to back with uh, the local high school teams. How did that event go? Tell us about that. Yeah, that's the Canvas Community Classic. And, and you know, in concept, it was brought to us by the Pruder School District and, and Brandon Carlucci, who's the overall uh, director of athletics for all the high schools and, and PSD um, and great concept. And it's exactly what we'd hoped for with Canvas Stadium. You know, we've always viewed it as a community asset. You know, it's not there just for our football weekends. It's there for, you know, the entire year and to be used by the community. So this was just another example of how we were able to create an opportunity to bring community into campus. Um, I, I wasn't there for the weekend. We ended up using, take advantage of the bye weekend to go see our son down in Dallas. Um, but but Steve Cottingham was, a lot of the other staffers were around. And I think we scanned through 10,600 people through the, through the metal detectors and all the feedback that I've gotten has just been nothing but positive. And Canvas does such a great job in finding ways to, to support, you know, all kinds of community activities. And, and so they, they're really invested in this as they are uh, so many other things. And, and I think it's just something to build, you know, build on every, every year now, you know, I, I think we'd like to make it an annual event. Um, you know, it's obviously it's got to land on a weekend when we're, when we're either not playing football or on the road, but I would expect that it'll continue to, to grow and be a really special experience uh, for years to come. Lastly, saw the recent deal with diehard fan supply. Is that a new alliance? Is that replace like Ramzone? Tell us about that deal with them. And um, it sounds like we'll begin offering some NIL merchandise through that, through that company as well. So tell us a little bit about what this yeah. is. Yeah, we, we'd, we'd accomplished it in two ways in the past. So we had a, a relationship for our online e-commerce with, um, with Fanatics. And then uh, we, we had a long-term relationship with the CSU bookstore to run all the kind of brick and mortar operations and, and the game day kind of concessions or novelty sales, apparel and novelty sales. And, and it just, you know, we, we, we kind of, decided that we owed it to ourselves to survey the landscape and really understand, you know, what opportunities were out there to find, you know, um, you know, people that might want to partner with us. We, you know, talked about the possibility of staying with our existing partners, but diehard fan supply is a, is a new emerging uh, player in the space. Um, a guy named Ben Sutton. It's one of his companies. Ben was, uh, one of the first movers in the multimedia rights space and built a, a, a business called ISP that he later sold to IMG that was later sold to Learfield. Um, but Ben, Ben is, he, he has tailgate guys. That's one of his businesses that does all of our, our, um, you know, pregame tailgating activities and uh, diehard fan supply is, is, is their uh, retail merchandising business. And so they, you know, it was a competitive process. We, you know, asked for proposals and and felt that they were the best match for us, and we're thrilled to be a part of it. They've got, you know, great great uh, you know national leadership and regional leadership, and then they've hired a really good 
um, you know, general manager that's that's operating the business here in Fort Collins. But you know, first three game or first two games, first two home games, we've done really really well on on our per caps in particular. And the challenge was is that you know the, the transition took place uh, really kind of midsummer, and you know the ordering cycles we were a little bit off. So they you know they had a little bit of a challenge getting the, the right mix of products in. But you know I think every year from this point forward we'll be on a better, you know, more routine cycle and, and we'll see some really uh, great product uh, coming through, you know, those stores at the stadium. Very good. Well, Joe, it's great talking to you as always. Thanks for all the great insights. Thanks for your time. Hope you have a great trip to Reno and bring us back a win. We could use one. That's the plan. Absolutely, Joel. Just Stay safe. <laughs> yeah. Appreciate all the support coming from Ram Nation. Stick with us. You know, it, it's uh it's it's painful. We acknowledge it. We understand it. Uh, but but uh, we're going to figure it out and we're going to have a high performing football program um, and everyone's going to be proud of it. And we're going to be excited when people people get a chance to experience that. But, you know, the school year is going to be exciting for what's ahead, too. So we're looking forward to basketball's getting rolling. Yep. And uh, appreciate you, Joel, and look forward to catching up at another time. Yeah, we'll talk hoops more uh, next month. Thanks so much. Okay. You bet. All right, Joel. Take care. All right, really enjoyed that conversation with Joe Parker. Sorry to miss Michael Rowe this week, but we will get him back on to our show next week, as always. And uh, appreciate y'all for listening. Hope you have a great week. Let's go get a win on Friday night on the road. Boy, we could all use it. Start seeing a little better brand of football and start seeing things turn. We can hope. Thanks, all. Go Rams. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.